We've had 36 Australians make the major leagues, and today we're talking to the 36th guy, Alex Wells. Alex, welcome. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, it's uh, early morning. I joked with you offline that this is the earliest I think I've ever spoken to a professional baseball player, but you said the season's over and you don't have much else to do and getting back to normal life. But um, the season is has only just fi- finished. Uh, Baltimore didn't have um, the greatest season um, in 2021, so uh, no postseason baseball for you. But... You had a pretty interesting season. You made your major league debut. Um, you went up and down from um, AAA to the major leagues a couple of times. And we're just really keen to kind of pick pick the brain and get some insights from a guy who kind of lived the dream that many Australians are, 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 um, are chasing. And, um, yeah, it's fairly fresh. So uh, I'll ask you loads of dumb questions and uh, <clears throat> feel free to fire off stories and whatnot. But I suppose the... The big thing, and normally we start a podcast and get everyone's backstory, but I thought we'd try something different today and just kind of get the most recent experience because it's pretty exciting and um, it's pretty cool. But you know, we, I'm sure you've told the story, but what was the what's the moment that you got the call? And can you step us through that and what that involved and how you felt and the first person you called and and then just unpack what that experience is like? Uh, yeah, um, we're uh, finished the game in AAA and the major league team was still playing and uh, I think they got um, they were getting beat by uh, a decent amount and they used a lot of guys that night and um, they were um, yeah, the game their game finished and uh, I was uh, still in the clubhouse just hanging around with the guys and I got a call into the manager's office oh, I got a call sorry from the pitching coach and said hey can you come back to the clubhouse and I was like still in the clubhouse I'll come down to the come down to talk to you guys and they uh, said congratulations um, you're going you're going to the big league it's going to be an early flight tomorrow morning so uh, go back to the hotel and uh, get some rest and pack all your stuff up um, you're going to get a call from the, the team uh, travel guy and um, yeah it was an early flight the next day so and did you have any, you know, you're obviously on the 40-man roster, so that um, mm-hmm. kind of gives you an inkling that you're in the you're in the mix. But, you know, do yeah. you, as a guy playing AAA baseball, do you have a sense that, hang on, this could be pretty close or do you try and just bury that? Or, you know, what what's your headspace like as you're, you know, one step away from uh, the top level? Uh, you try not to think about it, um, that you could be called up any moment, um, because it's still you still got to go out and compete and uh, pitch well in AAA for that to happen. So uh, for me, I tried not to think about it as much as I could and just focus really focused on um, every time I was going out to pitch in AAA, uh, focus on um, going out there and competing and uh, putting up some good numbers and it would take care of itself. And at that stage, I was throwing uh, pretty decent and. Um, I wasn't really – I mean, I was shocked when I got called up because I didn't think it was going to happen so early in the season. And uh, But it was an unreal feeling and, you know, it's something you'll never forget. Mm. And so what, the, you got added to the 40-man roster and myself included. There's plenty of people who don't really understand the ins and outs of that. But what does that mean in layman's terms? Like being added to a 40-man roster to a player, what does that mean? 
Uh, when you get added to the 40-man roster, it means, uh, like, you're in the top 40, like, squad, basically. Um, that's what that, like, it means, like, something like that. And you are eligible to be called up at, like, any time throughout the year, um, which means they also don't have to designate a guy for an assignment um, to make a roster spot for you. So you're automatically, you know, a chance to be called up throughout the year without them making a corresponding move. So being on the 40 man's a big deal, obviously. Um, so that's kind of on your radar. You know that you're in their calculation. Um, as the season goes, you were starting, I'm assuming. So left-handed pitcher, spent the majority of your yep. time starting. So then at the call-up, is the are, do they communicate to you that you're coming up to start or is it kind of your role could be all over the place? Well, how do they explain that to you? Well, I suppose you don't even care, to be honest with you. It's just like I got the call. Um, but what's the communication around your role and those types of things? Um, honestly, when I got called up, I had a, um, had a feeling I was going to be out of the bullpen and I was. So first time out of the bullpen, oh, haven't had much bullpen experience. So, and to be out of the bullpen in a major league game was pretty, uh, pretty hectic and <laughs> really didn't know what to do. So I couldn't, wasn't really sitting still. For most of that first game, when I was up there, I was just trying to watch what the older guys did, like the vet, like the veteran guys we had on the team, which had a lot of bullpen experience, and they were just calm and collected and relaxed. So I tried to do that the best I could. But being a starter, you like to, you know, you have the routine and uh, before the game, and knowing you know, every fifth, sixth day you're going to pitch, and being in the bullpen, you don't know when you're going to pitch. So as soon as that phone rings. To down the bullpen, your heart automatically starts going, and you just say, "Oh, this could be me." And yeah, it, it gets going pretty quick. So I, I'm really keen to unpack the whole experience. So, you know, you're obviously on the road, so you just grab your travel bag, get up early in the morning, and fly. Um, you're flying to Baltimore. No, um, we we're in Norfolk, the home, like where I played AAA this year. Oh, um, okay, yeah. So I, was, I, I, just, I was just staying in a hotel the whole year. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I packed all my stuff up. Early morning flight from Norfolk to uh, Buffalo, New York, where the Blue Jays were playing their first or second chunk of the season after they left Florida. Yeah, they went to Buffalo. So I uh, made my major league debut in a AAA ballpark, which is pretty funny. So... You literally so, uh, grab all, yeah. all your belongings that you had, throw them in a bag and take them with you. Um, so you're kind of a vagabond, nowhere, man with no home. And then, so you get off the plane, does someone pick you up or you kind of make your way to the ballpark or how does that work? Um, we had a car service uh, pick us up. There was um, two other guys with me. So, yeah, got, they organised the car service to drive us to the hotel or team hotel. And we had to get like a, a rapid COVID test uh, before we could go to the field. So we had to wait on that um, that test to come back negative and get on the team bus and then go to the field and yeah. So I take it you 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 know you've been in the organisation, so you know guys on the major league team. But you walk into that clubhouse, yeah. you don't 
here's your here's your jersey. You don't get to pick a number. They just assign one. Everything's set up for you. What's that experience like walking into a, you know, major league clubhouse as a major league baseball player? Um, it's a pretty cool experience. Uh, I knew a few of the guys there, which made it a lot easier. Um, and I had also been around uh, most of them in the past in previous uh, major league spring trainings and. I played with a lot of them uh, coming up through the organization, and so it that made it um, more a lot. Of, sorry, a lot easier being around that made it comfortable. Um, yeah, so wasn't really a big shock to see or to go into a major league clubhouse uh, for the first time, but I I was still nervous and still anxious. Uh, yeah, I, I I definitely I definitely wouldn't tell anyone. I wasn't nervous. I'd be lying. And uh, is it? Are you sort of welcomed as the newcomer, or do people, you know, like perhaps view you as a? Oh, you're only here for a little while, so wait, make too much effort to get to know you. Or like, how does the team embrace new guys that have been called up? What is that experience like? Yeah, they um they know it's your first time being called up, so they uh, welcome you in. And even when I did get optioned down and then called back up again, they they're always happy to see you and like. Just to, um, they welcome you in every time. Uh, they say, "Welcome back, good to see you again." And that's, uh, yeah. So they're always welcoming. Um, they don't really, you know, like it's it's a it's a good clubhouse to go into. Uh, so yeah, there's no nothing bad to come from it. There's all it's always a good thing. So we do a little uh, compare and contrast exercise here. So like, what are the, you know, what are the stark differences going from minor league baseball to the major leagues like what sort of stuff just jumps out that's completely different at a next level um i would i'm going to say the travel the travel is you get on say you're going to uh you're going on the road you get the buses to the airport um you go on straight onto the tarmac to get on the plane and um there's no going through uh like security like through the airport or anything like that. There's no long lines you have to wait in. You basically get off the bus and get on the plane. And then before you know it, you're taken off. And then, yeah, that I think that's the coolest part of the travel. And then the food. Yeah. The food dramat- like, dramatically gets better that was when good. you are playing the people. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. I'm is that just clubhouse food or f- going out to eat or, you know, I'm sure it's different at every level, but, uh, um, yeah, I'm sure you're probably not hitting the cheap and cheerful restaurants after games on the road and stuff like that. No, uh, yeah, the clubhouse meals are really good. Uh, the spread in New York post game is incredible. Steak and sushi and all that stuff. It's, uh, that's, that's the best, uh, best, uh, post-game meal yeah, right. I've had in a long time. So that is you shower down and then just eat. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's a wide variety of uh, food and that's uh, really good. Generally, they do generally have like a steak, chicken option, and then, I mean, there's some sushi there, salad. I mean, it's, it's first class. And do most guys on the road stick around and eat at the field or, you know, there's a percentage of guys who just clear out or, you know, typically how does – this is completely dorky kind of stuff, but I'm always fascinated to know, you know, are people cashing in on the free food or are people racing off to go and find other places to eat? How, typically, how did that work? 
Um, generally, everyone stays and uh, eats dinner at the field, or they they can uh, take it to go. They get to go boxes, and they'll just take it back to the hotel with them on the road. And um, same with uh, home home games. They they would just take it back with them, or you can just eat in the clubhouse. And then, so when yeah. you're at, when you're at home, do you have the same like you can eat it at the field when you're at home, or was it a bit more of an expectation that you just figure it out yourself? No, they um they provide a spread for us after the game, so we eat it. You either take it back to where you're living, or you just eat it in the clubhouse, and then go. And just, yeah, there's always the option to take it away or just have it there. And, and what do you do for accommodation? Like, how do you figure out where you're living when you're in Baltimore? I lived in the hotel, the team hotel right. that they provided us for yeah. uh, most all, the whole time I was in Baltimore, and then yeah, I just lived in the hotel the whole year. Just living out of a bag, pretty much for a year. Yeah, living living out of a suitcase. It's uh, it's get it gets tough sometimes, but I mean, it's worth it. Do, live out of the suitcase. do you have to go and upgrade the wardrobe for uh, the big leagues, or did you just go full Australian style with the double pluggers and jeans? Nah, nah. I had to uh, had to go out and buy an extra pair of nice uh, shoes, a couple of uh, extra collared shirts, and a pair of pants as well. So had to uh, had to upgrade a little bit, but not too much. And how did you go? Um like you have conditioning and strength and conditioning and that sort of stuff. How did how do you does that you're on your own kind of program or do they sort of fold you into what they're doing or how does that side of things work or is it all sort of personal preference? Um, they they give us a bit of a program, but we can manipulate it to uh, to what we're feeling that day. Um, I mean, if uh, it's a long season, so if you if you aren't feeling feeling that great the day after you pitch and you want to change it up a little bit, they're more than happy to. Um, or you can just maybe just take an extra day off and come back in the following day and do what you got to do. But they're generally really good with um, managing that, um, how, how your body responds the day after and how you feel. Uh, they're not going to, yeah, if they don't push you too hard, then, but, it also depends on how you feel the next day. Like, if you want to get after it, you can get after it. If not, you can take it easy and just do some light work. And yeah, long season, you got to, you know, look after your body. So, kind of interested in the, you know, you had some, had a pretty good season in the minor leagues, and then you get called up. Mm-hmm. Do you? How did, does your? I'm going to say, does your approach change? Obviously, you're facing world class hitters, but you know, as a young player who's probably pretty keen to impress and have success, like from a mental perspective, how do you how do you go about attacking hitters that you've probably followed and seen and, and you know, how did you maintain an approach that was working at the minor league level into the big leagues? Is that – did you how did you find that? Was it challenging or, you know, sort of just able to roll through with it? Um, it was a bit challenging uh, to go – to keep going back and forth. Uh, up and down, the game, the game definitely speeds up up uh, up in the big leagues, especially in um, places like Yankee Stadium and Fenway Park. Uh, the crowd's going wild, and 
the game can sometimes speed up on you, but when you go back down to uh, AAA, you have an understanding of what you need to do and what you need to work on to get back up uh, to to the big leagues. And I mean, you just go out there and compete, and the game you can slow the game down when you go back down to AAA. I felt like like you can control the pace a lot better because uh, there's obviously not that many people in the stands and you have an understanding of what you need to do and what you need to uh, work on and just to go out there and compete and just go out and attack the hitters like you would normally do. Now, you're dangerously drifting into cliche territory, which you vowed you wouldn't do, but when you say the game speeds up on you, what do you mean by that? And sorry, and you also mentioned the crowd's not as big, so you can control the game and slow it down. I'm really, well, I've heard other athletes say, oh, the game got away from me or the game sped up on me. What, what does it actually mean? Uh, everything happens quick. Uh, I've found out in the, like, I mean, my first couple of outings, you get, they get a couple of hits and then the crowd starts getting involved. And next thing you know, two runs are up on the board and you, you were just like, how, the, how did that happen so <laughs> yeah, right. quick? And like, it just, everything can just happen quick. Like if you start to rush and start to get, like you stop like doing what you like we're trying to do in the first place and like you start to get involved into you know get involved with the crowd and like just yeah it all it can all just happen too quick but in the minor leagues it's just like you can just slow everything down and like you can go back to your pace and take a deep breath and like it's fine but like in the in the majors you can you know your heart starts to go faster and you know, next thing you know, you face an Aaron Judge with the bases loaded, and and then your heart's going a million miles an hour, and the crowd's involved, and yeah, it's tough to slow it down at that point. Yeah, that uh, that all makes sense. Um, with yeah, like in any workplace, uncertainty can affect performance, and uh, by my count, I think you went up and down four or five times from AAA to the major leagues. How how well is yeah. that communicated to you? Like, were you aware that you would be coming up and down for spot uh, appearances or was every time that you got optioned down sort of a surprise or are they decent at communicating to you so that at least you can kind of, can, you know, from a control, you can't control anything, but at least you've kind of got an understanding of what your role is and what you're doing? Um, once you get all, the first time I got optioned, I was, we're in uh, Houston and you get that call and they say, hey, uh, we need some extra, like, at that point, our team was using a lot of pitching, and they were like, I pitched the night before, and I threw almost three innings and a decent amount of pitches, and I wouldn't have been able to be used for a couple of days, and the, they needed pitching, so they uh, optioned me down. That time, I, uh, you know, it was a bit of a shock, but obviously being the first, first time getting options, you've you don't feel that great about yourself, even though you hadn't pitched that bad. And it's really, it really like hurt me the first time I got optioned down. But like, you don't know when you're going to get optioned or called back up. It's, it's like, it can be any moment, any time of the day. Like we've had, I've had teammates get called up at 2 a.m. in the morning or then you get options like right before, like, you go to the field, but uh, then you go go in and pack your stuff, and 
they generally have a flight to you then that afternoon and then you're back down in AAA. So, yeah, it's, it can be a good and bad thing when you get called up and a bad thing when you get optioned down. It just depends on how you are, how you look at it and what you got, like, mentally. you got to be mentally strong when that happens, the option down and just go back and work on, just go back out there and pitch. Like, nothing changes. And are you, you know, as you said, you got optioned down because you kind of used up a few bullets in the chamber and they couldn't use you for a couple of days. So then do you get mm-hmm. feedback that, oh, you need to work on this or it's kind of like we'll see you when we see you because we can't use you at the moment? That's sort of pretty black and white. That's not a performance issue. That's just we can't use you for a couple of days mm-hmm. and we need arms. But, you know, were you ever given feedback that you need to go and work on this or how did how did that level of communication work? Uh, you get a little bit of feedback on how you did. Uh, from, I, I'd seen the pitching coach the first time I got optioned and he just said, keep doing what you're doing. Nothing changes when you go back down there. Um, you just got to stick with it and you'll be back soon. Mm. Like that's what, that's the advice they gave me. And I took it, I took it in and kept pitching well and I got eventually called back up again. But so that, I mean, that was helpful. But yeah, sometimes you don't get to see the pitching coach um, or anyone before you before you head back down. So they generally, if they they generally send you a message like a text message or something like that, saying if you ever need to chat, we're always here here to chat, and which is really good. So. Um, the I guess the the bit that I'm sort of interested in is the season's now over, and so what kind of message or what expectation do they place upon you? It's like, well, you're still on the 40-man, so you show up for spring training and then you're competing for, uh, you know, an opening roster spot. But do they, you know, it's it's fairly close to the season having just finished, but do they give you, this is what we want to see you do, this is the workload we'd like you to have in the off-season, or what, at you, at the level you're at now, is it kind of like, you know, you're on your own, power figured it out, or how, how, does, it, how does it work for, a, I suppose, a prospect who's still trying to establish itself at this level? Yeah, they give you um, they give you stuff to work on in the off season. Um, I had a chat with the pitching coach a couple of days ago, and he we sat down and talked about what the plan was going to be for the off season. Um, when I was going to start playing catch again, when I was starting, when I was going to get on the mound again. Um, yeah, we went through all that. What I really need to work on this off season, and just coming to spring training ready to roll and uh, come out and get ready to compete for a spot for the opening day roster. So you're able to give us a bit of an insight into what it is that they really want you to focus and work on? Um, just my uh, my control um, and not getting out of my uh, not getting out of myself when I'm out there on the mound. Um, I had a tendency to overthrow a fair bit uh, while I was uh, while I was up here this year and just to work on that and control my emotions while I'm out in the mound and just a, a couple little little things as well to work on. So, yeah. I thought screaming and showing your emotions was the new baseball. Oh, I'm not that type of a... I'm not that type of a guy. I'll leave that to... Uh, Hendricks. Uh, Liam Hendricks. Yeah, he's yeah, got, he that, can, got that corner covered. Yeah, he's got that. He's got it all sorted. So... We sort of covered the modern day stuff. Um, yeah, it'd be really interesting to sort of work through 
your path to the big leagues. I think the bit that I probably need to commend you on more than it, more than meeting the making the big leagues is the fact that your Australian accent is still pretty strong. Uh, most professional baseball players quickly give away the Aussie accent, so congratulations to you on uh, on maintaining the dinky die Aussie uh, accent. But um, you know, you signed as a teenager. Um, I was really mm-hmm. kind of would just love to sort of dive into that process. Like when when as a young player, did you kind of figure out? Hang on, I might have a sniff here of professional baseball. Was professional baseball the be all and end all for you, or had you contemplated college? Or yeah, just as a young player, what what was the path, or what, what was your thought process? Uh, yeah, just like any other young kid in Australia playing baseball, I uh, was playing some uh, baseball at the national championships and started getting a little bit of attention from uh, from professional scouts. Um, as I got older went into like under 18s national championships and scouts started to watch me a bit more and went to the Australian uh, baseball academy up on the Gold Coast and got a, they started talking to uh, my parents a little bit and I had uh, a former coach, uh, Stuart Bell, be like an advisor for uh, my parents. So they contacted him and then he would uh, contact my parents and they would talk about... Um, what was going on and stuff like that. And yeah, I, uh, Orioles stuck out the most when I was younger and I actually signed at the under 18s world cup in Japan in Osaka, uh, 2015. And then, yeah, all progressed from there. And so what age was that? I was, um, 18 when yeah. I signed there. And, not to get into the financials of it, but was it a what what weighed up, what went into your decision making process as to who to sign with? If you had interest from t- uh, more than one team, was it you know was it a purely monetary based decision, or like what goes into that decision making process for a young player? Uh, I was I had a feeling there was like well, I looked up and there was not not any Australians with the Orioles and. I kind of wanted to create my own path with um, with an, like with the Orioles and like my brother had already signed with the Twins and there was a lot of Australian guys there and um, I just wanted to create my own path like with the Orioles and try and like bring Australians like try and get Australians more attention in the Orioles organization and stuff like that and I don't know it's just just wanted to yeah create my own path with the Orioles zagged when everyone else zigged huh huh zagged when everyone else zigged yeah that's it so um yeah I, I, the other question I'd like to ask was well, a couple of questions I'd like to ask particularly professional players um what what were the tools that got you signed? Like, you know, were you a flamethrower? Obviously, left-handed helps. That sort of left-handed pitch is always in uh, short supply. But what what were the kind of tools that you believe kind of put you on the radar? Uh, I definitely wouldn't say it was a flamethrower. Um, I wasn't lighting up any radar guns. I think my um, command was uh, off-speed pitches and being able to throw them for strikes and yeah, just my control when I was younger. I think I had good command of the baseball and being able to throw a lot of strikes, and I guess they liked that about me. So I guess that was it. 
And do you recall what kind of velocity you were working at at that at that age? Oh, come on! Everyone knows. Probably the same. Probably the same amount I'm throwing right now. Probably like eighty-seven to eighty-eight. Yeah, right. Very bit. Yeah. Yeah, right. Haven't haven't really uh, haven't really uh, shown much for the radar gun. I don't really uh, don't really trouble it that much. Pliables, isn't that the key? Just do pliables. Oh, I guess it's one of the kids. <laughs> so yeah, obviously. So command and control was the the, the calling mm-hmm. card. Um, the other question yep. I kind of like to ask players is, you know, you, so you roll into spring training at, as an 18, 19 year old. Like, what? Like how ready were you for that experience? I was a uh, little fish in a big pond. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, when I got when I got there, and uh, there was, I mean, minor league spring training. There's 150 guys there. It's uh, it's pretty intimidating. You got a lot. Of, you got a lot of older guys there as well. You got a lot of um, free agent signs who are there, and they're in their upper 20s. And I'm a 19 year old kid uh, coming into spring training, um, just fresh out of fresh out of Australia. Didn't know. Didn't really know much. Um, went in there, and it was a bit of a shock. Like a shock like you just don't expect to see that many people there and next thing you know you're into it straight away and I mean it was it was, it was an incredible experience to I mean first spring training but also I was also a little scared I was not gonna lie mm. just going in there and seeing that many guys and yeah it's it's a culture shock really and what about adapting to you know you now you're like in Australia, the level you played out, you're representing this, you know, your state and you're representing Australia, but then all of a sudden you're at the field every single day. This is now your job. You, you know, this is what you got to do. How did managing that workload and that sort of constant competition, like when did, did you, when did you start to feel comfortable with that? Um, honestly, I didn't really feel comfortable in spring training until extended spring training that year. I didn't make a team out of camp and I knew I wasn't going to being a young guy and I didn't really get many opportunities to throw um, in games and stuff when I was like that first month of spring training. And once I started to um, throw a lot more and have a decent decent amount of success in extended spring training and started to get comfortable around uh, the team, my teammates that were down there and it started to you know, it started to feel normal and I, I uh, made a lot of friends while I was in extended and I, was, I played well enough to um, make it up to the short season team in uh, Aberdeen that year. And so I think that's when I started to feel, you know, a bit comfortable about being a professional baseball player and this is my job. And, and you know, you're a young guy and a lot of young men don't put a lot of thought or have a lot of understanding of sort of the mental side of the game. It takes a little while to develop your comfort in your own skin and understanding what works for you. But like, you know, you got to the major leagues in a relatively short period of time, but what, like what, why do you think you were able to manage the minor league process and the stress that comes with that? Whereas others have fallen away. What is, what, how did you, how were you able to manage the stress and manage the competition and the workload? What, what side of the mental game, uh, you know, did you have control over or comfort with to, to help you along the way? 
Um, I honestly, uh, I don't really think when I'm out on the mound. So um, not thinking about anything while you're pitching helps a lot. Um, you're just going out there and you're pitching and you're just taking everything in every, each day. You're just, you're just constantly learning and, and trying to uh, perfect your craft while you're out there as well. Um, especially those non-pitching days, um, like your bullpen day and catch play before games and stuff. You're out there just constantly trying to get better and um, also just talking to teammates. And I had a lot of, I have a couple of teammates who are pretty similar and they're being left, being left-handed, not hard throwers. And we all generally throw the same type of pitches and we all just talked about it and clicked and we all got comfortable with talking about pitching with each other and that generally helps a lot um, and it helped along the way. I think a lot of players do themselves a disservice by saying, well, I, I don't think when I'm out on the mound, which may give people the impression that you're either not intelligent or you don't think about the game. I'm making a very broad assumption that that's not the case with you, but um, yeah. what, like, what level of preparation have what level of preparation do you put in prior to an outing? And because I'm, I'm really fascinated around the analytics that are available to both hitters and pitchers, and so how much time goes into the preparation before a start and thinking about how you're going to go after a lineup, which I'm assuming then allows you to you know not think as much when you're on the mound because you've done the the pre work. Like, what is your preparation like? Um, well, when we get before a start, we get the lineup and. We now have more data uh, for the when we face a team, and um, you can look at their heat maps and the scattering reports and what pitches they struggle in with certain counts and where their tendencies are to hit the ball. And so we all have that, and then we just I just look up um, all that stuff for the guys who's hitting in the lineup, and then I mean I don't really like to sit there and study it all too much because that. You know that makes me overthink about everything too much. Instead of back, instead of going out there and uh, pitching, so you have that there. You look at it for a little bit, and then generally you have a meeting with your catcher, and catcher will go over the will go over some stuff with the catcher as well with the pitching coach, and then after that, um, yeah, I'm pretty much set and ready to roll. There must be a few big league hitters where you look at the scouting report and you're like, "There's not many holes in that." Yeah, there's a few guys I, uh, I faced this year and I was just like, how am I going to get these guys out? But <laughs> it's, uh, it's okay. But when it gets to that, like, what it's just like, well, I'm just going to go after you with what I think is my best stuff or, like, you know, how do you tackle that? And and who who was the toughest guy you faced? Um, you just, uh, I don't know how I, I, I look at, looked at some scouting reports. I was just like, uh, I'm in trouble. Here, I said I'll just go out and throw my best pitch, my best pitches to my best location and stuff like that. But the toughest hitter I'm face, um, obviously, the uh, Judge and Stanton from the Yankees. They're they're tough. They're tough hitters. Um, Whit Merritt Fields from the Royals was he, he was a tough at bat. He kept fouling off a lot of stuff. Um, they're the top three that come to mind right now. A judge and Stanton, it's because if they make contact, they can do so much damage, or is it they're just no holes, or you know, you don't have 
that this you have to throw a really great pitch to get them out. What, like, is that? You know, I can understand a Merrifield who's just a you know a guy who just keep competing. But yeah, I just assume there's a difference in just mm-hmm. because those two bashers can do real damage if they get into it. Uh, it's also I think a bit of an intimidating factor. Mm. They're in the box, they're big dudes, and I mean you don't want to make a mistake over the middle of the plate because you know if they hit it. It's uh, going to be hit hard somewhere, and I mean, yeah, that that's the main thing. Um, and they're just both really good hitters. They have really good play coverage, and yeah, they can they can really hit any pitch anywhere. So, um, I do specialize in just random questions out of nowhere. But one of the things when we chatted to Peter Moylan, he was saying there's a real difference in minor league baseballs to major league baseballs. Did you find that? Yeah. Um, I did. It's that whole thing to um, the game speeding up. Like, it speeds up quick when you're in the, the majors compared to the minor leagues. And I think just the consistency, like, of play, like, of lineups as well. There's like, no, you're no facing, gaps. There's no gaps. Um, it's just quality lineups, one through nine. And, yeah, it's just, the, I, I would, my biggest thing would be the quality of baseball and, um, how quick the game speeds up for mm. me. The just in the sort of the journey through um, the minor leagues, what, like what are you adding to your game every year, or what is that development like? Is it just this sounds so dumb, but is it is it just the numbers you put up, or is it sort of every year there is an improvement in something you're doing, or a combination of both? Did, like, did you have a sense every year that you'd move up, or like, how do you how do you assess performance in the minor leagues? Because you know, we 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 talked to a previous guest, like, it doesn't matter if you win or lose in the minor leagues, we're just trying to develop guys. So, yeah. um, you know, you'll see big leaguers come down on rehab assignments, and they'll have five at bats and punch out, and because they're working on something. So how do you, how did you measure success and did you get a sense that hang on I'm on the path here this is working for me what what was your what were the checkpoints for you um, I mean every time you go out there you want to put up good numbers uh, but I think when they see you uh, work on something and you're consistently getting getting it better and uh, I feel like the numbers do have a little bit of a a little bit of an indication on whether you're going to move up or not, but it's just uh, developing. Everything they say it's developing and developing. It could be developing a certain pitch that year, or developing a new way, new um, new wind up, or just something something little in your development which can lead into you know growth and success. I feel like that's it. Mm. The other thing, Aussies tend to have a reputation as being pretty good clubhouse guys. Did you uh, yep. you, do you feel like you kind of fit that mould or where did you fit in from a clubhouse perspective? And obviously left-handed pitcher, so kind of a borderline nutcase as well. But how did that all – how do you fit in from a culture perspective? Uh, I like the team that I like fit in well with the guys. Um, I can be a bit of a, you know, a jokester or I like to have a good time while I'm there at the field and I don't – I don't tend to take thing take things too seriously some days, and um, yeah, I just like to have fun while I'm at the field, and so I could be yeah that guy, the, the like the prankster or what, 
just the guy that likes to have a good time at the field. So. And and then I guess the um, you know moving forward into the you know twenty twenty two is the you know is it a realistic expectation for you to make the opening day roster? Or where do you think you fit in? Are you are you, are you there, or is there still are you still kind of a fringe guy? Where do you see yourself moving into the next season without making a massive grand statement that could come back to haunt you? Uh, I'd like to think I'm going in competing for a job next year uh, to make the team, but. You just never know. Um, the team could have a different idea. Um, my goal is personally to make the team out of spring training next year and just to come in to spring training healthy and going out there and ready to compete. Um, that's the ultimate goal for spring training. Um, I'm, it honestly, yeah, I honestly don't know. <laughs> the um, I'm assuming most off-seasons you'd head back to Australia, uh, obviously travel still a nightmare what so what is the plan for, for you like what do you what do you see yourself doing uh this off season uh eventually get home at some point and then spend some time with the family and get back into it i guess uh i'll probably probably get into throwing mid-november and yeah probably no probably no abl or anything like that this year and just getting ready to come back and compete for a spot in spring training. So we kind of had you for a little while now and, you know, you're probably pretty close to breakfast time, but I guess the piece I just would like Mm -hmm. to close out on advice you'd give to younger players, like our whole, you know, the podcast and the website is all geared towards helping young players develop. Like if you could give advice and you're not allowed to go down the cliche path about, you know, saying the prayers and eating the vitamins and that sort of stuff, but what – yeah, what kind of advice would you impart on younger players if they wanted to follow this opportunity? Honestly, just stick to it. Don't give up if you're not having uh, success you want. Uh, yeah, just don't let anyone tell you you can't do anything. Don't let anyone tell you you can't play in the major league. Did you ever get so any that? that would be my Did you get that at all? Uh, when I was younger, I had a couple uh, people tell me I wasn't going to play in the big leagues or anything like that, but... I just didn't really listen to it and stuck to it, and it made me more hungrier to uh, get there and eventually, you know, obviously play in the big leagues, but it just made me more hungrier to get after it. Oh, surely you've sent him a bouquet of flowers, just as I told you so. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I really I appreciate know. your time, and congratulations. It's uh, just an amazing um Amazing effort to make it to the highest level as an Australian player, and um, yeah, I'm sure now that we've kind of told your story a little bit more, and there might be a few more people listening that you've got a bunch of people who'll be looking out for you and trying to follow your success. So, uh, really appreciate your time, and uh, all the best this off season in the in the sort of workout program. And, and thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me.